0: A couple of things before we begin tonight. Um, First of all, this Sunday night, we're going to have a a prayer meeting. And it's going to, this is something that we're starting new this year. Uh, The last Sunday night of every month, I'm calling the church together to pray. And uh, this Sunday night at 6.30, we'll meet here. Um, We'll have a time of worship, and then we're going to have a time where we pray together as a church um, I'll be putting up different slides and uh, we'll get in groups like we've done in the past. That way more people praying, more, more prayers get covered. So uh, put that on your calendar and make that a, a part of your monthly schedule here. And then also, just, just to give you a little heads up, in March we come to our 20th year anniversary as a church. It's absolutely Towards the end of March... The first uh, Sunday in April, we will have been meeting as a church for 20 years. And so we're going to have a big uh, anniversary celebration. And uh, right now we're scheduling that for Friday, March 31st. Special service right in here in in the sanctuary beginning at 7 o'clock. And then afterwards we'll have a time of fellowship in the gin next door. But uh, you want to put that on the calendar. It's going to be a special event for us as a church, a special time of celebration. So um, we'll be making more, uh, getting more details about this coming up. But just wanted to give you a heads up so you can start preparing for that. By the way, on that Friday night, we're also going to present a vision for this church for the next five years. The next five years and the next ten years, different ideas that we have about uh, how to change the property, how to give us a little more space to do more things. And we've been working with a very gifted architect who is, is helping us. Um, and uh, we'll be able to show you all that work on that Friday and uh, give you an idea of what uh, what we think the God, the Lord is leading us towards. So uh, Friday, March 31st, put that on your calendar. Tonight we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, page 310. You're using the Bible in front of you. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Lord, instruct us in wisdom. Build us up so that we're better, so that we're better at serving you. Lord, make our lives fruitful. Lord, every aspect. Lord, we give you our attention. Like Isaiah, we say, here we are. Send us. Speak, Lord. Change us. bless this time i pray in jesus name amen amen when children first start to color they have two problems first they might choose colors that are inappropriate right and secondly they have a difficult time keeping the colors within the boundary lines Now, as they mature and keep on coloring, they learn to keep within the guidelines and to choose the appropriate colors, resulting in a satisfying picture. But they mature in that. As children of our Heavenly Father, our prayer life often resembles a child's coloring. At first, we don't know what to pray, or we don't know how to keep our prayers within the appropriate guidelines of His will. As we mature and continue praying, though, we begin to pray for the right things and stay within his will, resulting in a satisfying prayer life. Prayer is so very, very important. It's so important that we mature in our prayer lives. Tonight, we're looking at this beautiful story of this godly woman named Hannah. And she is famous in scripture, is one of the most famous moms in all of scripture. In fact, you often hear her story preached every year on Mother's Day Sunday from the pulpits across America. And she certainly is a wonderful example of a mother. But tonight, I want to focus on prayer. There is so much to learn about prayer from Hannah's story. And we always need to learn more. So let's begin this story. Look at verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramaphaim Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zaph, an Ephraimite and he had two wives the name of one was hannah and the name of the other peninnah peninnah had children but hannah had no children so here we're introduced to a man named elkanah and he has two wives hannah and peninnah now please understand something about the scripture The Bible records polygamy. People practiced polygamy in those days. It was legal in that culture. But the Bible never condones polygamy. From the beginning all the way till now, God's definition of marriage is one man and one woman for a lifetime. So just because you read the account of polygamy in the Scripture doesn't mean that the Scripture approves of that. And in fact, whenever you find polygamy in the Scripture, you find a whole lot of chaos. You find a whole lot of trouble. So understand that. By the way, the same thing would apply to slavery. A lot of folks read through the Bible and they find these laws that regulate slavery. And they think, look slavery's in the Bible. God approves slavery. No, slavery was in existence. People practice it. The laws that you find in the Bible regulate it and protect slaves, but slavery is disgusting, and it's never approved. And by the way, the gospel message eventually, wherever it's preached, abolished slavery. So just understand that about certain things that you read in the scripture. Um, It's not hard to figure out why Elkanah had two wives when you read this story. His first wife was no doubt Hannah. He loved Hannah. Hannah was the woman of his dreams. He fell in love with her. He married her. But Hannah was not able to have children. She was barren. And in those days, you had to have children to carry on the family name, and to protect the inheritance of the family and all of that. So it was legal in those days to get another wife. So he's married Peninnah. She is able to have children, and she gives Elkanah children. And no doubt, Hannah and them all, they all agreed with this. It was a legal thing that they could do. But you can see that Hannah really, really struggled with this. This is something that really breaks her heart. Look at verse 3. It says, This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was, year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Okay, so at that time, the sanctuary, the tabernacle of the Lord, was located in the city of Shiloh. The priesthood operated there. Eli and his two sons, they're mentioned. And people would come and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Every year, annually, Elkanah would pack up his family, and they would travel to Shiloh to worship the Lord as a family, to offer sacrifices and offerings to the Lord. And so they'd show up, and an offering was made to the Lord for each member of the family. Elkanah gave an offering, then Penenna, and then all of her children, and then Hannah these annual trips were miserable experiences for Hannah because every year she would come face to face with her barrenness and Penenna was sort of a nasty girl wasn't she it says that she would provoke Hannah severely she made fun of Hannah She'd flaunt her children in front of Hannah and make Hannah feel terrible about her barrenness. Mean. Probably because she's mad that Elkanah loved Hannah, right, more than he loved her. So you see all the chaos in this polygamous marriage. Elkanah would try to help Anna in her pain. It says he gave her a double portion. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make her feel special. And he really did love her. He really cared for her. And of course he goes all, this is exactly what a male would say, right? You don't need anybody else, you got me. I'm better than ten sons, right? But she was hurting. And no matter how he tried to console her, She wept. And whenever she would go on these journeys, while she's there, she wouldn't eat. She wept just heartbroken over this condition. Well, on one visit, on one occasion, she is at the end of herself. She is at the bottom with this whole situation. And she goes and she prays like she's never prayed before. And she'll pray a prayer that she probably never prayed before. Look what happens. Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and do not forget your maidservant. But will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. This was, no doubt, one of the most intense prayer sessions. Recorded in the Bible. Here is a woman. She comes to that courtyard of the tabernacle. She probably didn't see Eli the priest. And here's a woman who literally throws herself at the Lord. She pours out her heart to the Lord. All that pain. All that anger. All that bitterness, all of it, she completely unloads on God. And so intense is her prayer that Eli thinks she's drunk. Now, what does that tell you about Eli the high priest? <laughs> Mark this well. The acting high priest of Israel at that time could not tell the difference between a person in earnest prayer and a drunk. He was absolutely corrupt. His sons were corrupt. The nation of Israel was without quality leadership at that time. The nation of Israel desperately needed spiritual leadership. They needed a leader to be raised up and take over. And and mark this well. In this circumstance, when the nation of Israel desperately needs a leader, here's a desperate woman praying for a child. And you'll find out later, praying for a child that she's willing to give wholly to the Lord. Things are converging here in ways that Hannah is not even aware of. But I want you to look at this prayer. You know, there are many different ways to pray. Sometimes we pray happy prayers, right? Thanksgiving prayers, praise prayers where we're just thankful and we we give God glory and praise for something that he's done. Other times we pray prayers of confession. Prayers of intercession. There are times where we pray for daily requests, and all of that's important. But then there are times when you pray those gut wrenching, brutally honest prayers, like Hannah prayed. There are those times when you are just broken, you're at the end. And you give all of your hurt and your pain to the Lord. And you're brutally honest. By the way, the Lord is not afraid of our honesty. And I want you to know tonight that when you pray, you can be honest, you can cry to Him, you can come with your difficult questions. There are times when you pray and you may not have any words. All you can do is groan. John Bunyan used to say in prayer, it's better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a prayer session like that with God? Did you know you could have one like that with God? Were you get along with him? And you cry out to him. And you pour out your heart. You know that changes people. I promise you. I know from my own personal experience. And from the testimonies of many other Christians. You get in these times where you're broken. And you just throw yourself at God. And he will meet you there. He will profoundly change you. Look what it says after this. Prayer session, look at verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, and notice what she did. She ate, and her face was no longer sad. She changed. She doesn't even know how the prayer is going to be answered, but she has met with God. It's like when you have that time with the Lord, when you just, you pull that burden off your shoulders and you put it on him. You are light as a feather. You've given that to God. Give those burdens to God. Don't hold on to them. Fall on your face before God. You know, we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it's a command. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you cast all of your cares upon him. And that's a command. Please understand, God has much stronger shoulders than you. And he says, you know what, give me your cares. These are too strong for you. I want them. So give those to him. Let him take them. You will meet God in those times of sorrow. Now, I want you to know something else about this prayer. She made a promise, didn't she? She made a vow. Look at verse 11. It says, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remembering me and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. Lord, if you give me a son, he's yours. If you give me a baby, I'll give him to you. No razor will ever touch his head. What does that mean? The vow of a Nazareth. He will be dedicated and consecrated to you for the whole life. In fact, I'll bring him back to this tabernacle. This son will literally grow up serving you. Okay, that sort of sounds like bargaining with God. Have you ever bargained with God? I've heard of Christians, bar, And they have this idea like, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. God, if you come through for me with this, then I'll do this. I don't believe this is what Hannah was doing. I believe that God has brought her To this crisis point in life. With this issue of being a mom. And has brought her to a place where she is now praying correctly. This is a culmination of many years of prayer. I mean you have to believe that Hannah prayed about this a lot. Don't you think? Many times Hannah prayed. But perhaps she was praying for the wrong reasons. Perhaps she was saying... God, make me a mom so Penena will shut up. God, make me a mom so I'll be esteemed like the other women in my community. God, make me a mom because, you know, I just want to be a mom. God, make me a mom. Elkanah needs to be blessed. Perhaps for many years, that's been her prayer, and it's almost been kind of a selfish prayer. But now, now at the end of her rope, she's praying much different. God, give me a son, and I'll give him back to you. Now maybe she's praying according to God's will. Now maybe her Life is being changed in prayer. And that's something that I really want to share and I want to drive home tonight. There's something about prayer that as Christians we need to come to discover. And this needs to change in the lives of lots of Christians. Prayer is not about our will. Prayer is about God's will. Understand that. When you pray, your ultimate goal should be that God's will is being accomplished. You should be trying to align yourself with God and his will. Remember Jesus taught us to pray? And he said in this manner, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Whose will be done? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right at the beginning of the Lord's prayer. The prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Right there at the beginning. That's our heart. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think too often we pray to get our will done in heaven. Rather than God's will... Done on earth do you desperately seek god's will that's how you should pray i think lots of times we're just so selfish in our prayers god it you know it's all about god bless me give me this move do this for me Heal me Heal this person give me money Meet my need, God. Do this and that. There's nothing wrong with praying for help. God, we're told later in that same prayer, pray that we get our daily bread, right? But that shouldn't be the focus. Stories told of a young girl who said, Lord, I'm not going to pray for myself today. I'm going to pray for others. But then at the end of her prayer, she prayed, give my mother a handsome (laughs) son-in-law. We always seem to find a way. God, give me. Bless me. Like God is some genie. Who exists to make your life easier. And to give you everything you want. Your prayer has to become deeper than that. And I think Hannah's prayer has become deeper. Lord, give me a son. So I can give him to you. And again, right at that time in history. Where Israel desperately needs a leader. Perfect prayer. Well, let's see what happens. Verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived And bore a son. And called his name Samuel. Saying because I have asked for him. From the Lord. Miracle. This woman has struggled with bareness. Her womb was closed. God heard her prayer. God opened the womb. God gave her a miracle child. She named him Samuel. You know what Samuel means? Asked for. What What a miracle. And please, please understand prayer done right brings miracles. Prayer, it's been said that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. And I like that. Listen, when you pray, and when you pray right, God can do anything, can't He? Is there anything impossible? God miraculously gave Hannah a little boy. Okay, will she keep her promise? Let's read verse 21. Now the man Elkanah. And all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. So the next annual trip has come. She's just had Samuel. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Time to go to Shiloh. And Hannah says, "No, not yet, because when next time I go to Shiloh, I'm going to leave Samuel there. I'm going to take two or three years. I won't go, and I'm going to wean this little baby." Now, I'll bet those two to three years were so precious, don't you? Hannah and that precious little boy, that infant. But eventually, she does what she says she's going to do. Look at verse 24. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here. Praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord, as long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. She went she came through. She did something that I think would be very hard for a mom to do. Would you drop off your three year old? She did. She came, she came with the sacrifice. They offered the sacrifice and there she is. She gave Samuel to the Lord. So she followed through with her vow. Now let me just ask you, it's it's important. How do you behave after God answers your prayer? I mean, when you've been praying something for a long time and then God answers your prayer, how do you behave? I think it's just important how we behave after we receive a prayer. It's just as important as before we're receiving the prayer request. And certainly we are to thank God, aren't we? If God answers your prayer, be sure to go back and thank him as passionately as you requested it. A lot of times we forget. Also, when God answers your prayer, follow through with what you promised. If you've been sick, and you pray for healing, and God heals you, use your health in serving the Lord. Amen? Let's say you've been in a financial bind. You pray, God blesses you financially. Yay! Let that change you. Start supporting his work with your finances. Don't be the Christian that says, God, I want, I want, I want, and then he gives, and he gives, and he gives, and then you get, and you don't talk to him again until you need something. And I've I've met Christians like that. You don't want to be that way. When God answers your prayer, worship him. Thank him. Let it change you. We really need to remember that. Hannah did exactly what she said she would do. Parent, I think we also have a great example from Hannah. It says that she gave him to the Lord. She lent Samuel to the Lord. The idea is she returned Samuel to the Lord. There was a giving away. In her case, literally. Literally dropped him off at the tabernacle. Years ago, when I became a parent, this passage took a lot of pressure off. Mom, dad, listen carefully. It's very important that we give our kids to the Lord. I mean, literally give them to the Lord. I think of Moses and his mom, how his mom was able to put him in a basket and push him out on the Nile River. There has to come this moment in our lives as Christian parents Where we literally give our kids to the Lord. It's important to understand, parent, God has given you kids as a gift. And we get them for about, what, 18 years? And then we push them out into the world. God has given them to us. It's very important that we give them back to God. And, and and actually it's very freeing when you do that. I remember when I first became a parent in Little Lindsay, you know how freaked out you are as a first time parent? I mean, Dylan was treated much differently, he's my third born. But Lindsay, the firstborn, I remember I couldn't sleep at night. We had to have the monitor, right? And if I didn't hear her breathing, I'm running into the check the crib every other hour. And you just worry so much about your kids. And then when they grow up and they become teenagers and you hand them keys to a car and they start dating, yikes. I used to pray that the rapture would happen before Lindsay started dating. But she grew up and the rapture hasn't happened. And I watch her and my two boys navigate these teen years. And as moms and dads, we worry sick, don't we? Remember, God loves our kids more than we do. He's given them to us. We give them back. In other words, trust God with your kids. Trust God with your kids. Give them to the Lord. Now, of course, we're going to be loving on our kids and definitely we don't neglect our kids. We do everything we can for our kids. But some parents freak out way too much. They're overly anxious give them to God trust God with your kids those of you who have kids that are older maybe they're making all kinds of decisions that you wish that they wouldn't make give them to God give that over to Him dedicate them to the Lord that's what Hannah did that's what we need to do Well, Hannah will drop Samuel off, but that doesn't mean that she'll never see Samuel again. Look at verse 18 of chapter 2. I love this little part of the story. It says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Can you picture a little kindergartner? little Samuel wandering around in the tabernacle and he has his linen ephod on just like the big priest. And there he is. He's literally growing up in the house of the Lord. Verse 19, Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. Isn't that so cute? Every year, Hannah would come with a new robe that's a little bit bigger as her son's growing up year by year. She was still heavily involved in his life. No doubt prayed for him They'd have these annual visits probably more than once a year if I know moms. She probably found all kinds of excuses to go to Shiloh. But she would go and she would stay a part of them. And she would be an integral part of his upbringing. Look what happens in verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah... So that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before him. Isn't that beautiful? Three sons. Two daughters. The woman who couldn't have children. Isn't God so good? Here's a woman that it just... Experienced such grief over this part of her life, God has changed her. God has moved her. God has lined her with his will. He brings her to a point where she's willing to give a son to full time service to the Lord. She gives one son to him, God gives her three sons, two more daughters. Can you ever outgive God? you can never outgive god god is so good when we're right with him when we're praying rightly when god is grabbing a hold of our hearts and when we're following him and we're serving him and when we make sacrifices to the lord he blesses you can trust god with that Well, as you know the story, God had big plans for Samuel. Samuel grows up in the sanctuary. A couple weeks on Sunday morning, we read the story when he was 12 years old. He begins to hear from God. He will grow up and he will become this incredible spiritual leader for the nation. First Samuel chapter 3 says, So Samuel grew, the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 7 we read, And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit all over the land, judging Israel, leading Israel in the ways of the Lord. God had big, big plans for Samuel. And this is something that I want you to know. God had bigger plans for Samuel than even Hannah could ever have believed. I mean Hannah's probably thinking, I just want a I just want a boy. Right? But do you see that there's a much bigger picture? And how that day in this in the sanctuary when she's on the floor crying out, God has been moving in her heart so that she would cry out for a son that she would then give to the Lord, and that kid would grow up in a special relationship with the Lord so that he When he comes of age, he's the leader of Israel. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Remember that when you're praying. A lot of times we pray for things, but there is a bigger picture in play. That's why it's always important that you pray for God's will. And understand that as God is answering your prayers. He's got your life in mind and he's got the lives of others. Did you know that your no from God might be somebody else's yes? Or your yes from God might be somebody else's no. And God's working all these things together. I heard the story of two Christian men who lived right next to each other. The first was a farmer. Since there had not been any rain for several weeks, the farmer got up one morning and prayed for rain. There was no rain that day. The next door neighbor was also up early that morning, but he was praying that it would not rain. Because he had organized a fishing trip with an unsaved friend that he'd been sharing the gospel with for many months. Guess what? It didn't rain. And that man went out on that fishing trip, shared the gospel, and this unsaved man got saved. God said no to one and yes to the other. But in such a way that gives him maximum glory. Never forget, God knows what He's doing. Pray for His will to be done. Be surrendered to that. Oh, what a privilege we have to pray. Amen. What a privilege. Prayer is our source of power. Prayer is our source of peace. It is through prayer that God will do miracles. Are you praying, Christian? Do you take advantage of that? Do you bring everything before God in prayer? And and then let me also ask you, are you growing in the way you pray? Is prayer becoming more powerful in your life? Are you are, are you choosing the right colors and are you coloring in the lines? Or are you still very childish in prayer? Let's grow in our prayer lives. You know, I think one of the most important uh, reasons for prayer is just Friendship with God. Just friendship with God. It's just relationship with God. You know, have you ever prayed just because you enjoy being with God? Have you ever seen prayer as that's your relationship with God? You're communing with God, where you're just spending time with Him. are precious times. You know, sometimes as a dad, I feel like the kids come, and every time they come, they want some. Here comes my son again. Okay, where's my wallet? Where's the keys? And, and it does. That gets tiring. As a dad, to have your kid come, Every time you come, dad, give me. Every now and then, you want the son to show up just to hang out with you. Just to spend time with you. Dad, I love you. I enjoy your company. Do you do that with your heavenly father? Do you just enjoy his company? Father, I want to pray as we consider prayer. Lord, that all of us in this room would grow. In that area of our lives. This is an area where we need constant growth. We need constant development. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we think of all the times you answer our prayers. All the good things that you shower upon our lives. And how even many times we forget to come back and say thanks. And yet you're so good to us. You are such a benevolent, gracious God. And we thank you. Father, I pray that we would, however, remember to return thanks and praise to you. Father, I pray that when we receive these wonderful requests, these answers to prayer from you, that it would change us. That it would inspire us to serve you more, to work for you more. Father, I do pray that we would truly be those who are are obsessed with your will, that you would get all the glory. Lord, take our lives and align our lives with your will. Lord, I do pray that as your people... We would learn to just simply enjoy your presence more. Just spending time with you, God. Enjoying you. That friendship that you've given us with you. Lord, I pray that our prayer lives would blossom. Lord, we believe you can do anything. And so with great faith we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's stand together.